This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. It's great to have you with us for the Good Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. No market movement today. The markets are closed in observance of Good Friday, but that doesn't mean there isn't business news, including a new jobs report. The Labor Department's report for March is quite a headliner. A lot of uh, of new jobs in the non-farm payroll report. Diane Swank's going to break it down for us. She's chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Uh, Diane, help us to understand, what are we seeing in this report? Well, we're seeing a lot of good jobs come back. Some of them were the low-wage jobs that got hit so hard a year ago. We saw leisure and hospitality lead the job gains, but we also saw job gains in education as schools opened up again, both in the public sector and in the private sector, and that's important because that allowed a lot of women who were sidelined by the crisis to return to the job market and look for jobs as well, and I think that's important to keep in mind. There was also some optimism in this report in the number of professional hires instead of temporary hires dominating that number as it has in recent months. We saw more full-time jobs brought online, which suggests that people are looking at the opening of the economy and betting that this time we'll stay open and we won't suffer yet another setback as we have previously with the help of vaccinations making us more immune to infections going forward. So this is good, and I mean, I'm guessing we're going to see more of this if this is going to be a sustained recovery, and that's what we need. We need a sustained recovery, and yes, it's good. We This is the strongest job gains we've had since August, and we need these kind of gains because we're still 8.5 million jobs in the hole from where we were last February 2020 before we hit this crisis. So that's still a substantial decline, almost as much as we lost during the entire 2008-2009 recession. So we still got a lot to climb out, but at this kind of pace, and I do think we will see sustained gains as long as we don't get a setback. If we can be a little careful in how we open, we can actually see sustained gains through the summer and start to clear these people that have been sort of pushed to the sidelines. The one place we haven't seen a movement is in that long-term unemployed. We've got unemployed workers who have been unemployed more than 27 weeks, more than six months. Those numbers continued to creep higher during the month, and that's something we've been watching very closely because we know after six months you hit a tipping point and you tend to see, at least in previous recessions and recoveries, that after six months things like mental and physical health amidst a global pandemic and family structure deteriorate along with the well-being of children. What we really want to avoid is vicious cycles from taking hold of unemployment and lower earnings for those hardest-hit communities. So that's why we really need to sustain these kind of job gains for right through the summer and 
into early 2022 to get ourselves back to where we were and then some. Seems like sometimes the longer you're unemployed, the tougher it is to find a job. You know, it just sort of begins this spiral where employers are more interested in people who either already have jobs or were more recently laid off. Exactly. And that's one of the things we worry about is there's not only a stigma to long-term unemployment, but it really does take an emotional toll. Unemployment is demoralizing, regardless of the fact that this was like a meteor hit the earth and millions and upon millions of people were unemployed through no fault of their own. There still is the reality of if you couldn't provide for your family during this period of time, what we're hoping is some of the scarring that you typically see from a recession, and which has been getting worse each recession of the last several that we've seen, the long-term unemployment have been rising as a share of that. We're hoping that some of the fiscal stimulus we've seen has, will stem some of that scarring because it restores people more whole. Um, and we certainly hit a tipping point, especially in December when we saw that last round of fiscal stimulus of $900 billion and now the $1.9 trillion on top of it. That puts us in a better shape to not have that scarring because by December you're starting to see things like food lines really um, go up in demand and children in particular slip into poverty and hunger. Thanks so much. Diane Swank, chief economist at Grant Thornton here in Chicago. Just ahead, workers may be returning to the office sooner than they expected. For many employees, it's been a year of working from home. Those days may be coming to an end. We welcome Joe McIntyre, senior vice president at Robert Half here in Chicago. Uh, Joe, we're finding out more employees are getting called back to the office. They thought they'd have a while more at home. That's right, Cisco. How are you? Thanks for having us. So what are these employees finding? Is it the employer saying, uh, yeah, okay, work at home was fine for a while, but we're missing something from having everyone in the office? I think it's it's not necessarily about what, what might be missing as much as what's maybe not happening or, you know, productivity perhaps being down. You know, organizations are, are finding ways to get employees to come back into the office. But, you know, what, what companies need to realize is they got to be flexible. You know, they need to be able to adopt a hybrid workforce. And if you look at what employees are looking for it's that that flexibility uh to be hybrid remote sometimes in the office sometimes uh but but not necessarily mandated to be fully in the office if that makes sense so for these employees who uh, who want to work from home there, i mean there may be some options if there's a health condition or something like that but for the most part if your boss wants you back you have to go back you got to go back, uh, and I would just say communicate. You know what organizations need to know is to retain top talent. Uh, they need to be flexible. They need to provide a remote type of solution, whether that be part partially remote or uh, you know a, a, if they're going to mandate folks come back into the office, you know provide whether it be uh, you know childcare assistance or uh, be able to you know help them prioritize different things, but. I think it's important for organizations to realize that you know, 49% of people want to be able to have a hybrid schedule, and managers are being receptive. Uh, you know, 46% of managers are, are allowing their teams to have a hybrid type work schedule, and uh, and it's really about how we communicate with each other and loop people in, as there might be people in hybrid world as well as in the office world that might be in meetings together. So uh, communication is really critical to be able to provide that flexibility and that benefit and uh, making sure that everybody's using technology to, to you know, communicate and work together and be collaborative. And at least in the short run, when people get back, it still seems like the average office is going to look different. I mean, I'm thinking as far as spacing out of workspaces, cramped meeting places, you know, little conference rooms. Yeah. It seems like for a while that'll be different. 
It will be, and the organization's certainly trying to figure out what does the workplace look like, you know, especially if you have people that are coming in full time, some people that might be coming in uh, partially, uh, coming in just for collaborative. You got to organize your your new uh, post-pandemic world uh, office setup to be able to accommodate everybody and to address health and safety concerns. You know, people need to feel comfortable returning to the office. They need to know that if they come back, when they come back, that uh, health and wellness will be and safety will be addressed. And so you got to take all those into consideration. And that might that might mean the workplace looks different than it did a year and a half ago, a year ago. So uh, what's a word of advice to those employees who maybe are a little leery of coming back? As we've already mentioned, they don't they don't necessarily have a choice. Yeah, I would say communicate with your manager. I think the first step is if you are not comfortable or if you don't feel like it's safe or you have a health concern, uh, that absolutely needs to be immediately addressed. And we're finding organizations obviously are addressing that. I think that uh, you know, offering what you're able to accomplish remotely, uh, offering what you've, uh, how you've been able to be productive and how that's been able to be a benefit to you and your family uh, would really be important to understand why they maybe are needed to be in the office, if uh, at all, full time. Uh, to be able to you know, be able to show being productive, being remote actually can have a benefit and uh, and obviously it helps with retention and helps with uh, people uh, feeling uh, well, uh, healthy, uh, and uh, being able to have a semblance of work-life balance. It's going to be sort of interesting for those employees, not not many of them, but for those employees who were hired during the pandemic, because you do have some of those situations where they were hired, they were remote because everything was shut down, and now as the offices are reopened again, they're going to come in as the, the new guy or the new woman, and they're going to be introduced to this whole team, and they're the new person. It's, it's happening with certainly people who were hired during the pandemic, but also people who've, who've maybe not seen their colleagues in, in a year or, or six months. Uh, that, that connection to the team, that connection to the company, uh, that's important, especially if you work in a collaborative setting. So to your point, uh, organizations and team members and managers have to figure out how to incorporate everybody, um, how to keep everybody in the loop if they've been out or if they're going to be hybrid, uh, how to work together. Um, and that might mean being creative. You know, maybe you have a day where everybody's remote so that everybody understands how to be communicative and how to be uh, able to loop people in, even if they're not sitting in an office physically together. But yeah, that's going to be a hurdle that everybody's going to have to to overcome. And there's a lot of important factors to staying connected to your team members and obviously from a company perspective, your employees. Really good insight. Thanks so much. That's Joe McIntyre, Senior Vice President at Robert Half here in Chicago. Just ahead, an update on the local restaurant industry as COVID restrictions ease. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Some of the changes brought by the pandemic could continue. Restaurants are welcoming spring diners. Doug Roth is here, founder and president of Playground Hospitality. Uh, Doug, talk about some of the changes that are likely to stay. I think many people assume they're going to go into a restaurant and it's going to feel like old times. It's going to be different, at least for a while. Uh, Correct, Cisco. Uh, Nice to be with you. Actually, uh, in experiencing restaurants at this point, uh, it is still different. Uh, Tables are still spaced quite a bit apart. Uh, In addition to that, uh, menus are digital at this this juncture unless you ask for them. Uh, In addition to that, carryout and and delivery still really big. And in addition addition to that, uh, some restaurants are doing Instagram pop-ups. 
Uh, and then finally, which we all have been involved with over uh, the last year or so, is uh, continued outdoor dining. So all of those things right now are in place and probably will be in place as we move forward into spring and summer. Now you have different angles here because the restaurants, I mean, they need as many people in there as possible. So having to space everyone out is, is kind of a challenge for them. And yet I'm wondering for the customers, I mean, I know I go and if, if I don't have to be on top of somebody at the restaurant, I, I kind of like the social distancing in the restaurant. Well, actually, we had that comment that it reminded us uh, years ago um, when we owned the Blackhawk, how the tables were spaced out and that was truly dining uh, as as it was uh, back in the, uh, the the 50s, 60s, 70s. But uh, times change. And um, as a result, there are those uh, like yourself who have families and all that want to be away from other people. And then there are others that get the vibe by the fact the tables are closer together. Uh, so it, it's it's. People have different, obviously, options and different uh, opportunities. But right now, the only one you have is being uh, away from the other guest. Yeah, that's uh, that's true, and that'll be there for a while. Thanks so much. That's Doug Roth. He is founder and president of Playground Hospitality. Still ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, how word of mouth is driving success for a custom furniture maker in Chicago. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. There's a lockdown at the U.S. Capitol right now because of an external security threat. We'll get an update from CBS News. The CDC's put out new guidelines for travel in the U.S. A man is charged with murder in the shooting of a young girl in Chicago last month. Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. We meet the founder of a local company specializing in custom-made furniture. Sales of high-end vehicles are on the rise. We'll find out what's fueling the trend. On the markets, no movement today. They're closed for Good Friday. Trading resumes on Monday. Sunshine today, tomorrow, and Sunday. A really beautiful weekend. We'll be in the 70s by Sunday. Right now, 44 degrees at 1231. CBS News Special Report. I'm Wendy Gillette. There is heightened security at the Capitol in Washington where we have reports of a car that hit a barricade. The FBI is aware of the incident. Let's go to Steve Dorsey right now in Washington for the very latest. Video on social media appears to show officers attending to a person on the ground at the Senate side of Capitol Hill. It's at a vehicle checkpoint where, just feet away, Video shows a car that apparently crashed into a vehicle barrier. We don't have much information right now. All we know, there is heightened security at the Capitol. We do have reports of a car that hit a barricade and FBI agents are responding to the incident. Uh, Right now, that's about all we have at this point. CBS News Special Report, I'm Wendy Gillette. A man's been charged with murder after allegedly firing the stray bullet that struck and killed a young girl at a far southside gas station last month. 27-year-old Marcus Starkey accused in the death of 11-year-old Nyan Andra Dyer. Prosecutors say he was in a shootout with another man when the child was hit. Travel in the U.S. opening up again. The CDC updating its guidance. Now saying fully vaccinated people can travel within the U.S. without getting a COVID-19 test or going into quarantine. CBS's Cammie McCormick. Those empty middle seats are gone and it's unnerving to some air travelers. They had the whole plane filled and she stepped out of it because she didn't want to be on that flight. Others aren't so worried. I'm not really scared. I take my precautions. I wear 
wear my mask. I use my hand sanitizer. So some airports are seeing a record number of travelers as Americans take long-awaited vacations. Cami McCormick, CBS News. Hey, remember, Odyssey is your new home. For all the audio that matters to you, download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. There you can listen to WBBM anytime. It's 1233. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are closed today in observance of the Good Friday holiday. Let's get insight into how the week has gone and where we're headed. Matt Shapiro is here, president of MWS Capital here in Chicago. The Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Uh, Matt, what do you make of what you saw this week on Wall Street? Uh, A wild one and a a technically very significant potential breakout in the S&P 500 uh, also confirmed by the Dow Jones Industrials. And, you know, I like that report they had about people going back and packing the airplanes. You know, that and travel and the, you know, blockbuster jobs report that the listeners have already, um, you know, heard about today, 916,000. Uh, the economy's really whirring back. Um, you never know, of course, whether stocks will respond in kind or it's already been baked in. But I think, uh, uh, we could, after two years of correction after correction, even though we had some good markets, maybe we'll have a quiet year. And I think people will be pleased with uh, a year that uh, you know maybe delivers 7, 8, 9, 10, 12%, but doesn't have one of those nasty corrections. Now, with the stimulus money that it's been hitting bank accounts over the last few weeks, we expect that a big chunk of that is going out into the economy. Do you think Wall Street's got that already baked into prices, or will it possibly rise when we start seeing that that money's actually being spent? I think the market is confirming that, and they're they're working together. So one of the big things about the employment report was that uh, moderately uh, moderately compensated, you know, the blue collar workers were really coming back to work. They're spending that money. They're traveling. Uh, you know, airline stocks are doing great. So I think it's a sort of uh, conf- uh, dual confirmation between good news and good markets. So going forward here, uh, what's your advice to investors, given the fact that uh, the volatility we've been experiencing? You know, overall, we're doing all right, but the volatility doesn't seem like it's going to end soon. Well, it's not, because there are speculative pockets, but the market is also enforcing speculative discipline. So there's been those major blow-ups like we had with that Archegos Capital, where uh, reports are upwards of $100 billion in leveraged trades were un- unwound, and the market absorbed it. Um, listeners may have seen stock in Viacom drop in half. So there are opportunities to buy, and we're finding lots of things that are attractive. For instance, Viacom or the convertible issue in Viacom that set off this whole thing. We also think um, the Pfizer vaccine is going to be underappreciated. That's ultimately going to be kind of the gold standard of of the vaccine. So we're taking a look at Pfizer's German partner, along with Pfizer, it pays a big dividend, BioNTech, because I think revenues from uh, the Pfizer vaccine are going to be a lot bigger than people think, and the profits um, also uh, just really huge in the 5 to $10 billion range between these two companies. Yeah, nice to have that dividend, too. You don't, you don't often get growth with the dividends, do you? No, you don't. And uh, I think the, uh, especially with BioNTech, that's the German company that came out with the uh, R. 
uh, mR the messenger RNA technology behind these the new uh, blockbuster vaccines. Uh, I don't think the growth is really baked into it. The stock is about 113, and I think it can go a lot higher. Interest rates rising. I mean, they're still low, but they're rising. Uh, does that environment at all uh, cause people to have to change where they're investing and any shifting because of that? Well, it's definitely affected fixed income strategy with uh, fixed income either flat or down this year. But I think you take advantage, if you're a little bit more of a conservative investor, Cisco, for those dividends, for those bond mutual funds. Uh, We had the worst start to a year since 1984 long-term fixed rate securities. I know most income investors are a little bit potentially more invest, uh, uh, more defensive. So they haven't, you know, taken that kind of uh, uh, pullback, but it is the time to take advantage of these higher rates into the fixed income market. Thanks so much. All the advice you need from Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital here in Chicago. Just ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, carving out a business in custom furniture and having it grow all all by word of mouth. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. This afternoon, the spotlight is on craftsmanship and the power of satisfied customers. We're joined by Keith Skogstrom, founder of Geodesic Designs here in Chicago. Keith, it's good to have you on the show. For people not familiar with Geodesic Designs, kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of what you do. Well, we're a small um, custom shop. We kind of specialize in all the projects that um, larger shops have trouble accepting because of the nuance and the uh, specific customization of it. So it's all custom furniture, other items? Oh, custom furniture, environmental graphics. We'll paint a mural uh, once a year, twice a year. Um, built-ins, cabinetry, furniture. If it's made out of wood, we will uh, we will try to do, do the job as best we can. One of the things that fascinates me about your business is so much of your growth, you've been doing this 15 years, and so much of the growth has just been word of mouth, right? Where people, are they like it, and so they tell their friends about it. Absolutely, yeah. We find that we oftentimes uh, find ourselves working across the street from the last job we just had. So we're very close with our clients, and uh, oftentimes we uh, – we find that uh, we're in their pods as the pandemic has moved through. We spend yeah, a lot right. of time with them. And you find that that is the best sort of, uh, you know, I guess we'd say advertisement, far different than just about anything else you do. If people are telling their friends, hey, you really got to call this company. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the level of customization that people are looking for, especially uh, with what we do, really lends itself to having a personal relationship. And I think a personal reference like that really reflects uh, highly for us. And oftentimes, you know, we're not being asked to compete against other bids. It's just the relationship that they're after. So custom furniture and other items, how did the pandemic impact this? Did did you just have to do it differently? Did you have to shut down for a while? What happened? Well, we were fortunate enough to have some large-scale projects in the shop. So we, like most people, isolated to ourselves. We're small. So we were very tight-knit group, and we were able to work in the shop until things got slightly better um, last summer. When that happened, we were able to go out and install some things, um, but it's been it's definitely changed things. We've seen increases in prices of materials. We've seen uh, changes in protocols in terms of entering buildings. Um, the nature of the relationship with the client has changed. But again, because we're so small and because we have this nuanced relationship with our clients, we've been able to pretty much do as well as we've ever done throughout the pandemic. So when it comes to that, uh, the pandemic, you got people who go, hey, I'm sitting around the house. Now I realize the things that I want, the things that are bothering me. Maybe now's the time to get some of this work done. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it was a lot of home offices at first, and then it became, 
you know, kind of nuanced storage solutions. And then it became larger products. As, as the pandemic has played out, um, fortunately, some of our clients have been able to work throughout the pandemic. So now they're not going to restaurants, they're large families, they're not going to um, any of the entertainment areas. So they found a surplus of income and they're staring at their walls and they want this fixed and they want this built. So it's actually been um, uh, a diverse group of projects that we've had throughout the pandemic. What's your advice to entrepreneurs, especially smaller ones, about differentiating yourself, really creating a market? Because in many ways, you can't compete with the big guys, and yet there are other things you can do that they can't. Yeah, I think for us, it's definitely the level and the intimacy with the service and being able to really draw out from what it is that they're looking for in their project. We oftentimes start with what they're envisioning, and then we use our expertise to lead them through their project and make sure that it, it results in what they're after, but at the same time, it's informed by our level of experience. And in the end, you just move forward, too, right? Regardless of what it brings to you, provide good service, uh, have customers that are satisfied. That's the way to grow a business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, we, we're, we're unique in the sense that we will do um, any project that we feel comfortable accepting, but we do it with um, as much care and um, kind of use of our experience with other projects as others. And we have such a diverse background of experience that we really are able to bring a lot of things to the table um, that satisfy these unique projects. Really good insight. Thanks so much. That's Keith Scogsgrim. He is the founder of Geodesic Designs. Geodesic Designs, Keith Scogstrom. It is Entrepreneur Friday here on WBBM. Thanks for being with us. Still to come, a suburban car dealer says luxury models are flying off the lot. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The high-end luxury car market is red hot. We welcome Rick Mancuso, owner of Ferrari of Lake Forest. Rick, it's good to have you with us. So you've been pretty busy these days. We've been really busy. It's quite remarkable. I've never seen anything like this before. What do you think is driving this? Why, why do you think you, you're getting more interest? I think there's multiple layers. It's not as simple as just supply and demand, which is usually the car business at its very simplest form. And supply and demand is a great example. There's so many things that work right now. You always hear about this fortunate 1% that buys all the special cars or special sports cars or exotics. But we think it's more like there's a 20% factor of potential prospects that have been doing really well the last several years. On top of that, there's another 60% that have done better than they've done for the last several years. So there's 80% of potential prospects in a market going into calendar year 20 with low interest rates and looking forward to having some fun. And then they get shut down and locked up. They're not spending money on clothes. They're not doing dining. They're not vacationing. They're anxious to get out and move around and have some fun. And really, about the time when, it seems like that, right? It's like, hey, I, I need exactly. to do something, and this would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun, and it's time to have some fun. And just when everybody's about to step out a little bit, the chip shortage kicks in. The new car supply contracts, and that means the trade-ins contract. Now, you got to remember, in any given year, a good new car year is around 15 million cars. Maybe it's 12 or 13 or a little bit higher. But the used cars, it's 45 or 50 million every year, year after year. It's triple the amount of the new cars. Well, a lot of it comes from the supply of the new cars. Now, that's been cut off. So now people have gone after the used cars, and they've picked off a lot of the great cars. So you have 80% of the market potential prospect pool chasing a finite supply of cars. As a small example, a year ago, January, 
And I use Ferrari because that's the business that I'm in. But just to illustrate supply and demand, there were 1,981 pre-owned used Ferraris listed nationally in cars.com. This morning, there are 951. It's been cut in half. It's the most amazing drop I've ever seen in the supply. And everybody wants something right now. And we're going into spring, low interest rates, capital's been built up, the supply's been diminished, and people want to go have some fun. And the car's kind of the freedom machine right now. It's safe and it's fun. It's time to let loose a little bit. It's driving it. You know, the issue with the chip shortage, do you see that maybe having a, uh, a domino effect for years to come with a, you'll have a used car shortage because there aren't as many new cars going out the door now? I think it makes us vulnerable to these disruptions more often than less often. I think that uh, it's going to be probably at the very end of the third quarter before this starts to level out. You know, we talk about it at the office all the time. We're trying to say, when does this slow down a little bit? Because everyone's chasing the used cars. We're paying more to replace cars we just sold than the ones we just sold. And I think it starts to level when the new car supply starts to come back. We think that's closer to the end of the year. So I think the next six months, it's going to continue to be a very strong market. And I don't think prices drop then either, by the way. I think once they reach those different levels, they hold. So I don't see it retreating. I think it's everything's being bumped up. So it's an interesting moment. Never seen anything like it. Yeah, really. Makes a lot of sense. Really, really interesting business. Thanks so much, Rick Mancuso, owner of Ferrari of Lake Forest. The high-end luxury car market, really red hot. Past programs later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.